I will serve thee because I love thee. Thou hast given life to me. Heartaches, broken pieces, ruined lives are what you what you found on Calvary. But your touch is what I long for. Uh, I thank the Lord that He saw fit to save me by His grace. And I serve Him not because that I'm scared not to, even though I am scared not to. I serve Him because I love Him. And I will never forget that. I mean, it's a simple message. And Brother Ricky Burnett preached it. That uh, fellow who works and does most of the printing stuff a lot of the printing stuff in the Rock of Ages uh, uh, print shop and so forth, and he's a he's a good preacher and a good man. He's a simple preacher, but brother, he's preached a message that if I when I've forgotten all the deep learned theology that I have uh, heard over the years, I'll remember that simple message: Why I serve the Lord. First thing he said was because I want to, and that's why I serve him because I want to. And the sixth, second thing he said was I serve him because. I ought to. And uh, he said, I ought to serve him. The Lord deserves me to serve him. The last thing he said was, I serve him because I'm afraid not to. And I agree with all those things. I want to, I ought to, and I'm afraid not to. And uh, I do thank the Lord for that, and I praise the Lord for a servant's heart. Could preach a lot about that. James chapter 1 talks about how that James introduced himself, though he's the brother of Jesus, he introduces himself touting his credentials only as a servant of Jesus Christ. He doesn't tell us how all the days he ate at the supper table with him, doesn't tell us of how the times that he arm wrestled with Jesus and maybe defeated him down to picnic table or all the times he beat him playing softball or whatever, caught a bigger fish than Jesus did. So see how awesome I am when there's growing up his kids together and that's the kind of stuff boys do. They're going to compete on those things and that's just the way it works. He didn't tell us any of those things. He didn't tell us about what a good fellow he was. He didn't tout his credentials as the head of the church at Jerusalem. He said, I'm James, a servant of Jesus Christ. The very highest calling in your life is to be a servant of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ. There is joy in serving Jesus. And I thank the Lord for that and I appreciate the song. Let's look in the book of Psalms in chapter 61 this evening. Psalms chapter 61. Been doing a lot of preaching in Psalms lately and I feel like we need to go back here again. I've never preached from this Psalm that I'm aware of in 26 years. Uh, that's uh, that's almost saying something. I, it's, odd, it's kind of unusual really for me to come across a passage of Scripture that I'm studying and preaching that I've never preached anything from it in the whole time that I've been preaching. At least that I know of. I have not. I don't have anything marked. Here, I don't have any notes on the passage, nothing. I mean, this is the only time that I know of that I have uh, preached from this passage of Scripture, but I want to share it with you here tonight in Psalms chapter 61. And we'll just use this whole psalm here this evening and just give you, uh, if you're preaching out of Psalms, one preacher said one time, said any time that you preach out of Psalms, it's not real preaching. He said it's a devotional, so I'll give you a little devotional tonight out of the book of Psalms chapter 61. And it's amazing some of the things you hear when you get around where lots of people are preaching. You know, you're bound to pick up a few things that you have to do like a watermelon. You just eat the melon and spit out the seeds. So I don't know if I'll preach or give a devotional, but it's what the Lord put on my heart to do. And so that's what I'm going to do tonight out of the book of Psalms chapter 61. Now, if you found your place and are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us. And we will reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord. Pray that God would help us tonight that we'd say exactly what He wants us to and not a word differently than what He wants us to say. I want to say all He wants us to say and not a word more, not a word less. Psalm 61, verse number 1, the Word of the Lord says... 
Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Is that not your desire tonight that the Lord would hear you when you pray? He says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. And I'm going to come back to that, but think about that phrase, from the end of the earth. He has gone just about as far as what he can go. And he says, I'm going to cry out to you whenever I get to the end of myself, when I get to the end of the world, when I get to the end of the earth. And uh, this is not a location. This is a state of mind. When I've gotten to where I'm just about out of my mind, he said, I'll call on thee. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You can be seated this evening. Thank you for standing with us while read the Word of the Lord. I want us to note especially verse number 2 tonight. And I think this verse is the key to understanding this psalm. And I just feel like I need to especially just concentrate on one word tonight. We're going to preach from the whole psalm, but I want to see the whole thing in light of one word where the Bible says, From the end of the earth will I cry to thee, even when my heart is, here's the word, overwhelmed. 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 When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Anybody in here tonight know what it is to be overwhelmed? When my heart is overwhelmed. This word overwhelmed comes from the Hebrew word atop, which is a word that describes a fainting heart or a feeble heart. He says, when my heart is overwhelmed, when it is fainting, when it is feeble, when it is frail, and the root word literally means to shroud or to cover with a cloth, and it gives the idea of being wrapped in darkness or to be, my friend, surrounded with distress and not to be able to find your way out, to be trapped in the position or the place where you are, to be bound almost as if in a straitjacket. And that's where the or where the psalmist is in our passage of Scripture. David writes these things and he gives us his testimony in this chapter. The testimony of the psalmist is that he's confounded. His mind is all upset. He's all worried. See, David has had to flee from Jerusalem because of the rebellion and insurrection of his own son, Absalom. And then his best friend and trusted friend, Ahithophel, had betrayed him. And his heart is overwhelmed because of his exile, because of the loss of his son, and because of the betrayal of his best friend. David's got problems with his job. He's got problems in the kingdom. Amen. David's position, David's life, my friend, is that to be a king in Israel. He's got problems with his employer. Matter of fact, his son's trying to take his job. 
And in order to take the king's job, you've got to take his head. And so this is about as serious as job problems could get. Anybody ever been overwhelmed by problems with your employment or problems with your employer? I mean, we've all had those days how we just feel like this more necessarily than what we can bear. And that David's got problems with his child. And David's got problems with his family. I mean, he's got serious problems with his family. Here he is, his boy's trying to take over his king. He's already had one son that's killed another son. He's got a son that, uh, my friend, has sexually assaulted his own daughter. I mean, they've got problems in their family. David's a man that has more than one wife. He's got problems in his family. I mean, David's a man that the Bible said that the sword of God and his judgment would never leave his house. He has problems with his family. I preach right worship the Lord, but you don't understand. i got problems with my family. I'm just overwhelmed with family problems. Oh, my friend David had problems with his family and he was overwhelmed. He had problems with his friendships. Hithophel had been one of his closest friends. One of his most trusted friends. And now he's siding with Absalom. As a matter of fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 17, he tells Absalom, he said, if you'll let me. He said, I'll get a band of men together and I'll go take the king's head. I'll go attack the man that used to be my best friend and I will kill him and I'll cut his head off. Brother, if you got a fellow that used to be your best friend that's wanting to cut your head off, then you got problems with your friends. But there are going to be days in your life when you're just overwhelmed with circumstances. When things just seem like they're all going against you. Where your problems are greater than what you are. The testimony of the psalmist was that he was confounded. And then I notice that the truth about the psalmist is that though he was confounded, he was not consumed. That though David was confused and confounded, and my friend concerned about the circumstance where he was, he did not allow this to consume him, to eat him up, to destroy his life, his circumstances that overwhelmed him did not cause him to shut down or to give up or to quit God or to hate God or to turn on God. Oh no, friend. Though David is confounded by the situation he was encountering, the Bible says that he prayed in verse number 2, from the end of the earth will I cry to thee. He got to the end of himself and he said, where else could I go but to the Lord? But he took it to the Lord. How we find out not only does he pray, but then in verse 4 he abides. He said, I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Just because I've got troubles, just because I've got problems, just because I'm overwhelmed doesn't mean I'm leaving. I'm not leaving God. I'm not leaving church. I'm not leaving the wet gospel way. I'm saying in this thing, I'm going to abide. In thy tabernacle forever. Well, preacher, you know, I used to go to church, but they've had some problems down there. You know, they've had a little trouble and some disagreements, and this one can't get along with that one. 
and somebody hurt my feelings. Oh, ain't that pitiful? Has somebody hurt my feelings and they didn't do my family right? And if they talked ugly about me, they took my job or my position or my title away. How about if your best friend was trying to cut your head off and your son, my friend, was trying to kill you and take your position? How about if you had family troubles and you're unemployed and removed from your place of position? Would you then say, I'm fixed, I'm abiding, I'm staying, I'm not leaving the tabernacle of God. I don't care what kind of trouble the devil sends my way. I'm going to trust in the covenant of thy wings. I'm not running scared from the border man or all of his crowd. I'm going to stand for God and say, well, what's right? I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to serve God. If folks talk well about me or poorly, if, uh, if my friend of good things or bad happens, I'm just going to stay the course. I'm just going to abide in God's house. My family says they don't like our church. My family says my preacher's crazy. That's all right. My family says your preacher's crazy too. Amen. Oh, my friend, that's okay. My family says that bunch down there is too. That carries religion too far. My friend, let people say what they will. Determine in your heart to abide in His tabernacle. I mean, dig in your heels. I don't just because you're overwhelmed. Don't give up on God. And so he prays and he abides. He is confounded, but he's not consumed. In verse number 8, he starts singing. Amen. Oh, he says, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever. He starts to praise the Lord and to sing and to glorify God. Go ahead, my friend, listen. By the time he got from verse 1 to verse 8, his son hadn't come home and made apologies. His best friend was my friend. Was not trying in any way to reconcile. The crown was not back on David's head. He wasn't sitting at my friend in the conference of the palace. His circumstances had not changed one ounce, but he had changed. He got to thinking about God, got settled in serving God, and got settled in staying with God regardless of my friend of whether or not everything went well. And before you knew it, before he finished the song, he was singing and to the Lord and glorifying God. When you're overwhelmed, don't give up and don't give in. Don't be consumed by what's overwhelming you. Have my friend but sing unto His name. Have them make a commitment. He said, I'll sing unto His name forever. David didn't know if things might get worse from here. They may, and they did, by the way. He ended up with his boy that was attacking him, hanging in an old tree from his Hair, with a dark to his heart, him dead. And David's kingdom, my friend, always bore the marks of these things. Oh, but my friend, he said, regardless, I'm going to sing and I'm going to praise the Lord forever. Amen. Oh, that's right. Thank God. And then not only that, we see how He prays and He abides and He sings. And then we find Him closing out the chapter. The Bible says He obeys or He serves. He said, I will pay that, that I may daily perform my vows. I'm going to pay that that I have vowed. I'm going to give my best to the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to sing Him. I'm going to serve for Him. I'm going to sing for Him. I'm going to serve for Him. 
I'm going to stay with Him. I'm just not going to give up regardless of how overwhelmed that I feel. Oh, if there's anybody in the building tonight that knows what it is to feel overwhelmed or to be overwhelmed, let me tell you, He can lead you to a rock that is higher than you are. What do we do when we're overwhelmed tonight? And by the way, y'all look at me lots of times and people in church look at me and they think, you know, Brother Toby don't ever get overwhelmed. He don't ever get beside himself, you know. And Brother Toby's always smiling. And I am most of the time smiling. And even if I'm mad, most of the time I'm smiling. So if I'm smiling at you, don't get too comfortable. Amen. My friend, even when I'm mad, usually I'm smiling. I'm just because of those that have fellas have pants that is creased just right. And his ties fixed right. And Brother Wayman had to help me this morning get my collar buttoned up right and such. Just because that he knows how to fill out a suit. And my friend has a good three-point outline. And can say things with a smile on his face. Doesn't mean that he doesn't get overwhelmed by life. It does not mean that troubles don't wake up in the middle of the night. It doesn't mean that burdens don't weigh heavy on your heart. Oh, my friend, that's right. Oh, but I'm saying unto you, thank God. When I am overwhelmed, there is a rock that is higher than me. There is a place where I can go. There is a, a firm ground where I can lean. I'm glad I have, my friend, a solid footing that I can get on. Praise God, i got a place to go when I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That same apostle. That same apostle had said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He's the same one that Jesus looked at him one day. Had to said in Matthew 16, said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He said, Some say that John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, one of the other, one of the other prophets. He said, But whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, I say thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Blessed are Thou Simon Bar-Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. You know why Peter knew that he couldn't go nowhere but to the Lord? That is the only rock in his life. And my friend, he needed a rock that was higher than him. He needed a ground that was firm. He needed a foundation that would stand sure. The only one he had was Jesus. I tell you, he's the rock I'm leaning on. And my friend, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, in a shelter, in a time of storm. When you are overwhelmed, you can go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone the builders rejected. I go to the mountain. And the mountain stands by me. I tell you, I can lean on Him. He's the rock that tumbled down through Babylon and tore down the nations of this old world. The old Gentile kingdoms in there. A dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And He tore it down in the last days. And by the feet that is. And my friend, false religion. And mingle with politics. In the last 
days. And after he tore it all down, that rock dug in and filled the whole world and became a mountain. Amen. I tell you, when all the rest of the world's burned to nothing, and Jesus will really be all that matters, I'm glad He'll lead me to a rock that is higher than I am. There's a place where I can go. There is a cliff for me. And there is a shelter for me. And there is a place where I can leave. I say, Rock of Ages, good for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy crimson side which flow be of sin the devil killed. I save from wrath and make me pure. I'm glad I've got a rock where I can go. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Well, I'm trying not to preach too much tonight. I got to preach the Bible this week, so I'm trying to give you devotional tonight. Oh, I'm glad I've got a rock where I can go tonight. Notice the plea of the psalmist. I notice the plea of the psalmist in verse 2. He said, from the end of the earth, I've got to where I can't go no farther. Oh, he says, when my heart is overwhelmed, I've come to the end of my rope. Oh, tie not and hang on, child of God. And lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Notice this petition he gives to the Lord. He says, lead me. And this means to guide or to bring or to govern. And he needed God to order his steps. Furthermore, he didn't even ask for the Lord to direct him. He asked for God to lead him. He was so overwhelmed that he feared he wouldn't be sensitive to choose the right path. Without God went in ahead of him. But I tell you, if he's leading us, that means he's in fire. I'm glad he's leading the way tonight. Amen. Oh, Lord, lead me. And then not only I see his petition, but then I see his place. He says, lead me to the rock. That is the place of safety. That is the place of protection. That is the place of shelter. Oh, my friend, that is a place of watershed where the storms cannot reach you. I'm glad I have a place where I can hide until the storm passes by, until the storm clouds are over, until the darkness arose no more. Hey, praise God. He'll hide me in the cleft of His rock. The petition and the place. And then I see in his plea, I see a person. Hey, he said, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And now the risk rock is Christ. He's a mighty refuge for us. The first mention of the word rock that I can find is in Exodus chapter number 17. And in verse number 6, And Moses was commanded to smite the rock, and water would come forth. That's the first mention. And the Bible does tell us, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, and they all did drink of the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, and that rock followed them, and that rock was Christ. The first time a rock was ever mentioned in the Bible, it was Jesus, and it still is. Amen. The foundation of God standeth sure. You know what Deuteronomy said? He said, Moses told them, I said, their rock is not 
Everybody's our rock. Amen. Everybody's got a rock. Everybody got something they lean on. But I tell you, everybody ain't got Jesus. And if they're off, the world's rock. The lost man's rock. The sinner's rock. The thing he leans on is not as our rock. Amen. That's right. Oh, listen. David's rocks of his family crumble. The rocks of his friendships crumble. The rock of his employment crumbled. But the rock of his salvation stood sure. He can lean on him. And that rock is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. David seeks a rock and he says, Don't just take me to a rock, Lord. But he says, When you find that rock, it's got to be one higher than me. <laughs> Lead me to a rock that's higher than I. <laughs> Amen. Oh, somebody said, I done hit rock bottom. Not if you on this rock. Amen. This rock was higher than him. Amen. David seeks a high, seeks a high rock. I, back when I was a teenage preacher boy, I preached at a church. The name of the church was High Rock. And I preached there back when I was just a little boy. I preached multiple revival meetings at a church. The name of the church is High Point. Oh, and I'm telling you, High Point and High Rock have both had some low points. They've had some battles in those churches over the years. Oh, but I'm telling you, my rock is high. He's so high that I cannot ascend to it with my own power. And neither could my enemies. So I say, Lord, lead me to the rock. Take me where I cannot go by myself. Take me to the places where I could not achieve. And drive me, lead me up to the place, Lord, where without you I couldn't even survive. And send me the help necessary to make it on the mountainside. Take me to a rock that is higher than I. Ain't it amazing? Nobody wants to climb a mountain, but everybody wants a mountaintop experience. Amen, friend. And if you're saying, Lord, lead me to a high rock, to a rock that's higher than I, you may have to do some mountain climbing before you get there. You may face some difficult days. You may bruise your feet on some stones in the path, but I'm telling you to stand on top of the peak. And know the rock is founded up under you. And Jesus is by your side. I tell you, it's reward enough. Just stay in the path of what's right. Amen. That's right. Abide in His tabernacle. Amen. Person. Then notice the picture. When my heart was overwhelmed, I see an image of a man that's got under conviction. I see a likeness of a man that's become aware of his own circumstance and how it's helpless and hopeless. How without God's help he'll die as sure as the world. Without the Lord's help, everything in his life will be no good. Without the Lord's help, everything in his life is going to crumble and fall apart. Outside of God, working a miracle in him. My friend, it's certain death is what it is. And it's destruction. That's all you can say about it for David. I'll tell you, for every person that's ever been saved, you know what it is. It is to be there. When you got under snot-slinging Holy Ghost conviction, you found out you were a half a step out of hell. The Holy Ghost began to deal with your heart. And you said, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I've come to the end of myself. I've come to 
everything that I know how to do. But Lord, I need to go to a place where I can't go by myself. And I need you to lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Save me. Forgive me. Come in my heart. Become my Lord. I need a rock in my life. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank God. But I was overwhelmed with sin and guilt and shame. I was drowning in my own ways. I had not solid footing. But praise God, He led me to a rock. And now I dwell on higher ground. A rock that is higher than I. Amen. And then I want you to see tonight not only this prayer where he gives, or this plea where he gives a petition and a place and a person and a picture, but I see a prayer with urgency. Verse number one, he gives the urgency of his request. He says, Hear, hear my cry, O God. Oh, he's begging God to pay attention. I see the understanding of his request. He says, Cry, hear my cry. That is deep agony, great distress. Only God can help. I notice a uniqueness to his request. At the end of verse 1, he said, Attend unto my prayer. Oh, friend, the word attend means to prick up the ears. He's asking for God's attention. Even at the faintest prayer, even at the smallest need, even at the least request. Well, I don't know how to pray. And by the way, you don't, and I don't. We don't know how to pray. I for years misquoted a passage of Scripture in the Romans chapter 8. And I'd say it when we know not how to pray as we ought, but that ain't what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, and when we know not. The Bible just says, and we know not how to pray as we ought. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us without groanings. We don't know how to pray. Just that simple. We don't know what to as far we don't know what to say but David said Lord even at my faintest cry would you please intercede for me when I don't pray right would you finish it up when I don't know what to ask for would you do what I need attend unto my voice attend unto my prayer hear me Lord when I pray I'm reminded so often about that little boy in the altar praying and he come down in that big old fancy church and he knelt in the altar, which they just didn't do around there unless you had a counselor or an altar worker working with you. And uh, I'm not altogether criticizing that. I'm just saying that that's the way it is some places. And I really don't like it, to tell you the truth. But each person do what they want to do and we'll do what we want to do. If folks comes and prays, I like to see people pray with them and for them. But I don't want people to think that they've got to have somebody for them to come pray. When you need to pray, I want you to come pray. When you need to testify, you need to testify. Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Amen. But he knelt down. He was praying just a little fella. One of those counselors were altar workers. Maybe he's down here playing games and he eased up beside the little boy. And that little boy was saying his alphabet as A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the altar worker said, son, you're making a mockery of this altar. I said, you're just down here playing games is what you're doing, just saying your alphabet. He looked up 
I'd find a man and he said, No, sir, I'm not at all making fun of anything. And I'm not praying, he said, but my heart's broke. And I don't know what to ask God for. But if he's as big as that preacher said he was, I figured if I gave him all the letters of the alphabet, that he'd know just exactly what to do with them. Amen. Oh, I found myself there some days. I just don't know how to pray as I ought. But I tell you, the Holy Ghost helps me. God intercedes on my behalf. The Lord in heaven leads me to a rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah to His name. I tell you, He'll hear our prayers. Then I notice this prayer and the plea, and then finally I notice the past. Notice the past, verses 3 and 4. He said, Thou hast been a shelter for me. You know, Lord, when I look back in my life and the days that I've lived, when I was out there following them few sheep around in the wilderness, and the rain come, you was the one who took care of me. And Lord, there was a bear that showed up one day to try to take my father's sheep, and you delivered me from the paw of the bear. There's a lion that showed up, and you delivered me from the mouth of the hungry lion. There was a giant that showed up in the valley and scared away all of my brothers and all of those of the people of Israel. But Lord, you delivered Goliath, that uncircumcised Philistine dog, into my hands. And Lord, every time I've turned around, you've been the one taking care of me. He remembered, he said, Thou hast been. Some of you have been saved by the grace of God. When you go through your present circumstance and you're overwhelmed, you say, Oh, my trouble, my problems, my difficulties, my circumstance. Instead of saying, My God has, and my Savior has, and the Holy Ghost has, and praise God, He's enough. You've forgotten what God has done. I tell you, we ought to remember He's got a track record of helping me. He's able, He's available, He's accepted. And He's adequate to be a refuge for you and me if we'll just trust Him. Remembrance. And then when He looks into His past, He sees a refuge. He said, there's a shelter for me. Amen. For Thou, O God. Oh, He says, Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower for my enemies. Hallelujah. Oh, a place of safety. Lord, when I've had trouble and it seemed like the storm would come, when the war got on, You're the one I've run to. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I tell you, He'll be a shelter. He'll be a refuge. And then He said, not only did He be a refuge, but He remembered. He remembered a refuge and remembered a resource. He said, I remember the days when you've been a strong tower. Amen. A strong tower from the enemy. And this word strong tower means to be tall and stout. Oh, yes. Well, I remember when I was a kid. Y'all tell me if I'm getting this right or wrong. You school teachers maybe will know. Or some of you mamas. I think we sung a little song said something about being a teapot. And it said something about being a teapot, short and stout. And said, here's my handle, here's my spout. Tip me over and pour me out or something or other like that. Oh, but I'm telling you this word, a strong tower, means to be tall and stout. In other words, God's big. Amen. He's a strong. Hey, I tell you, God is a big old 
strong God. We've got a great, big, wonderful God. I tell you, He's taller than your time. He's stronger than the wind that blows against your life. He's more than adequate. He's more than enough. He's tall and stout. He's a strong town. Our God cannot fail. He is omnipotent. He can do everything. I tell you, nothing is too hard for God. Amen. Hallelujah. Tall and stout. A strong tower. Amen. Hallelujah. Then when David gets in this mode at the end of verse 4, he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stay with God. I'm going to hang around in the tabernacle. I'm going to crawl up under His wings. I'm just going to count on God to take care of me. And he got to the end of that verse and he had a Selah. That's what he said. Got to the end of verse 4 and he said, Selah. Now that's a musical term. It means to pause. It means to rest. It means to stop what you're doing and just consider how profound what was just said was. Amen. And so he got to the end of verse 4 and he just stopped and considered it all. And it changed his whole life. It changed his whole outlook. It changed everything. I mean, from verses 5 through 8, all he does is just praise God and glorify God. He said, quits talking about his problems. He quits mentioning being at the end of the earth, at the end of himself. He just looks for that rock that's higher than him. He says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. In other words, victory is mine. And thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. And he says, He shall abide before God forever. I'll prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And so will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. And David's confidence and knowing that God's protection's about him. He's comforted knowing that the Lord's presence is around him. Oh, are you confident? Are you comforted? Do you realize you have the Lord's protection and His presence? If you do, you can sing with the psalmist. What a transformation we see. He goes some sign to singing and David turns to sing praise and my feeling offer thanks to the Lord and not only does he sing he also serves and he closes the text with these words I will daily perform my vows you know what I'm going to do from this day forward you know what I'm going to do I'm going to do what I committed to God that I was going to do to start with That's what that means. I will daily perform my vows. I'm just going to do what I told God in the beginning I was going to do. You come on with a song now. I want to ask you a question. All of what we read tonight, all of what we preached, did that mean for one moment that Absalom and the rest of David's family was going to straighten up? No. Did it mean for one moment that the problems he had with his closest friends were going to change? Not at all. Did it mean that everything was well in the kingdom and that he didn't have problems down at his job no more? Not at all. But David starts off the psalm at the end of himself. Feels like he's gone to the end of the world. And he ends up the song 
singing and praising God and ain't nothing changed except his position. And now he's made it to a rock that is higher than I. Tonight, you need to get to the rock and let the Lord help you. If you're overwhelmed, I'll tell you, just get to the rock. Call on the Lord and He'll help you. Everybody stand. If you need to pray, I'll give you what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. Lead me to a rock. When I'm overwhelmed, lead me. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. If you need to pray tonight, would you come? You can cast all your burden on the Lord and leave them there. You can cast all your care on Him, for He cares for you. The Lord will hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob will defend you. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. God will help you tonight if you'll call on Him. If you need to talk to the Lord, would you come? I'd ask you to come do business with God. Sing for us when you pray.
Have you obeyed the Lord in the service this evening?